From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. It is me, it is Mike, this is Mike Davidson Lives. Thank you for downloading this uh, latest go-around of the podcast. As always, glad to have the company. Uh, recording this Thursday morning, I tried to beat the clock before I have to go to work. Um, yeah, I, I tried doing it last night, uh, but uh, the, the boy was, he was non-cooperative, to say the least, so... Uh, He's over at Grandma's right now. You might hear in the background my young daughter Hazel. She's playing with stickers right now, but uh, she she will not be she will not be too much of a distraction. I promise. She's actually behaving pretty well. Say hi, Hazel. Hi, mom. I'm dad. Uh, but she's she's playing in the room while I'm doing this and uh, trying to knock this out. Kind of in a good mood because uh, a week from today is Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday. Um. What one thing I, I try to do uh, since becoming a homeowner just a few years back was, you know, the weekend before Thanksgiving. The weekend before Thanksgiving, I put up the Christmas decorations because, uh, let's face it, uh, Thanksgiving week weekend, uh, like like I'll my, my wife and I, we both hi baby, we both cook, we both cook. Uh, I do the turkey, she does the desserts and all that. Um, and we do have to work a little bit, but for the remainder of the uh, the weekend, we kind of like to be lazy, and I don't want to be fooling around with the meat sweats on a ladder. You know what I mean? Like, like I just want to knock out the Christmas decorating before I get into the full swing of the holidays. It makes sense, right? And I was kind of, kind of playing it by ear how this would go uh, with the Weather Channel and that stuff. I mean, temperatures looked about the same last week uh, for this weekend. As they did the the weekend I was looking at, if you're following. And if you're not, I apologize and didn't drink more coffee. But it was just like, okay, it's going to be in the 30s. I'll be all right. Well, that's since changed. Uh, it's now going to be like around uh, upper 20s. And I was watching local news last night, and they're saying that the uh, the uh, wind is going to be gusting up to 40 miles an hour. And if you know if, uh, anything about being on a ladder 40 miles an hour, even if you're just up one story, no bueno. No bueno. So I don't know how that's going to shake out. If it calms down Sunday, I might. Um, I have to get out there Sunday morning to do it because uh, I don't want to miss the Colts Eagles game. I think that's the uh, one o'clock kickoff. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm just like uh, first world problems when it really comes to getting ready for the holidays. But other than that, uh, no real major issues to be concerned about. Uh, looking forward to it as. Uh, we wrap up another glorious year uh, in the uh, the uh, crazy 20s, I guess. Uh, now, like I mentioned, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Uh, the things I like to do include eat, watching football, eat, uh, sleeping after eating, and watching planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, the classic John Hughes comedy from the, uh, the 80s with Steve Martin, John Candy. John Candy, just phenomenal in this movie. Uh, one of my all-time favorite comedic performances and uh, if you've ever watched it, like I've watched it uh, several dozens of times, uh, but but when you watch it, you know it's not a perfect movie. It's not it's not a terrible movie. It's just you feel like there's some things missing, like Steve Martin's character Neil Page and his wife. There's a little bit of tension on the phone, and I, you gotta get the sense that it goes further than the fact that he's uh, uh, diverted from Chicago and he's out in Wichita. Like there's some other stuff going on in this film. Or like uh, Michael McKeon, great comedic actor, 
Uh, loved him in Better Call Saul, by the way. But uh, he gets credited at the end uh, as a major credit in the movie, but he only appears as once uh, in one scene as the state trooper. And you're like, well, that's that's kind of weird to have him in a uh, in a small role. He's a fairly well known actor in his own right, right? Uh, but uh, it turned out like. Uh, Years ago, when John Hughes was making this movie, there was, like, a big master cut. Like, this thing was pushing north three hours long. Like, this would have been a long-ass movie. And, of course, comedy, it's hard to be that long. Uh, <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, so they had to whittle it down for uh, movie audiences. And there was a master cut that apparently was destroyed uh, in the vaults of Paramount. Like, it, I can't remember if it was a fire or mold or something but like the master cut doesn't exist where it's three hours long and so you got the the truncated version of the movie which is still a classic well uh since john hughes passing they uh, i guess found on his estate some uh cut footage from the movie like about an hour's worth this would almost put it north of three hours and so uh, on the 22nd of this month uh, there will be a 4K rendering of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with deleted scenes. I don't think there's going to be like a, a Hughes cut, kind of like a Snyder cut. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but you can take a look at some of the deleted scenes and see what could have been, what could have been added to the movie. Uh, which, you know, for me, there's, there's kind of a morbid curiosity as to uh, uh, how good some of these scenes are. Just to see, uh, kind of, I guess, kind of an added glimpse to uh, uh, to how this movie was made, and you got you got to be kind of uh, careful. Like I I don't know if, if there was a three hour mo version of the movie, I would watch it, but I don't know if it would still click with me like it would like this present version of the movie. Because uh, director's cuts are kind of weird. Uh, everybody knows there's like two or three different versions of Blade Runner. <laughs> And uh, I, I do love uh, I do love the Ridley Scott director's cut, but that was a movie that bombed at the box office because people were like, "What is this?" And uh, when you go back and watch, it's like, "Okay, this movie is this movie is great," uh, depending on what version of the movie you're watching. Um, but like, there there have been some unrated cuts of movies and all that other stuff, kind of cashing in on the DVD Blu-ray craze back uh, back before streaming, and. Uh, and uh, like I got, I got like a director's unrated cut of Dumb and Dumber, and I don't know, like uh, some of the scenes are a little too much. I'm not, I'm not saying on the raunchy side, but it just really doesn't add uh, too much to the movie. So it's kind of a buyer beware. But uh, if if you want to, I I don't know if I want to run out and get the 4K version of uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles because I do have uh, the DVD sitting downstairs in my player, and I still need to watch it this season. It, it's been kind of a, I wouldn't say a rough November. It's just been kind of a busy November uh, because, like, I've got the job and everything, and I have yet to watch it all the way through, whereas this time last year I probably did it at least three or four times. And by the, by the way, I have to watch it all the way through without the, uh, the kids around. Sorry, Hazel. Uh, because of the, uh, the car rental scene. Anytime that's on and the kids are in the living room, my wife hits uh, mute and it's just, I know it's profane and the kids aren't allowed to hear it, but it's such a great gag. <laughs> it really is. And that's the only reason why that freaking movie was rated R, by the way. 
so that's out in stores. Uh, I did talk to my sister, uh, my two sisters, uh, Kelly and Tracy. They live down in Florida. Kelly's married to Jared, and uh, you know all three of them are in a house, and uh, they have survived hurricanes left and hurricane right. Uh, you know, they're they're doing okay. Uh, and you know we we, were, we got to talking because uh, one of the big guys, one of the big stories from last week was Ron DeSantis uh, just uh, just victorious down in Florida, like not just by because when he got when he got elected back in 2018, uh, only like uh, thousands of votes separated him from his uh, closest competitor. This time around, he curb stomped the competition, and he was the, the decided winner in Florida. Like this dude. Uh, phenomenal in voter turnout, and uh, I don't know if I like everything about him, but the one thing I do like about him is like when uh, media and opponents push push on him, he pushes back and kind of clears the air a little bit. Like uh, 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 my wife and I uh, on an earlier podcast discussed about uh, we, were, we were talking about the uh, bill that would prohibit kids 10 and under from being taught sex ed in in classrooms because you know they're a little young for that but it got kind of pushed to don't say gay and nobody believes that because if if Ron DeSantis was against gay people he would have just put Key West on a bus and sent him to Martha's Vineyard which I I probably would have made the place a little more fun Martha's Vineyard by the way um but but everybody was kind of pushing on this on this narrative, and it, it kind of goes to this crusader teacher type of mentality. And my sister and I were talking about this, and it's like, you know, I you, you want to be a good teacher, you want the kids to learn, but the, but you don't want to you don't want to get too involved in kids' lives, you know, because you're the teacher, they're the student. Uh, unless you suspect the kid is into drugs or is being abused somehow, you, you probably don't want to go DEFCON 1 and uh, throw yourself into the lives of, of, a, of a child. You know, you, I mean, there's, there's, there should be kind of, um, I don't know if guidelines, but there, there should be kind of some boundaries, right? And, t- and people are like, well, teachers are there because they care and all this stuff. And it's like, do you really want all teachers to share too much? And I'm not, I really don't care if a teacher's gay or straight. I don't care who they vote for. Just if they come in, they do their job and they're good at it. And, you know, I I am all for that teacher. But uh, there is just kind of, kind of uh, a, a devil's advocate argument here. Because uh, earlier this week in Texas, there was this teacher who got, uh, and this is, this is a very, very classic oversharing here. That teacher got let go from his job because he was kind of on video talking about how he was uh, ethnocentric and how he believed his race, the white race, was superior. Yeah, don't, <laughs> this this cuts both ways is what I'm saying. That's that's why you kind of want to, uh, you know, keep a lot of your stupid thoughts to yourself. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, yes, honey, the, the teacher did a bad thing. So uh, what I was, uh, what I'm hitting at here is like, okay, say you're a, t- a kid in this classroom, and okay, you're not white, you're Hispanic, you're black, uh, you're you're whatever, and you're there to learn, and you're there to give 110 percent because let's face it, school sucks. You want to get out, you want to you want to grow up, you want to you want to find your own way in the world, right? And here's this teacher who's supposed to be giving you, uh, uh, trying to help you better yourself, at least in the mental aspect of things. Saying how he's better than you because you and him don't share the same genetic code. Uh, that's yeah, like I said, uh, that is 
oversharing. This guy's stupid. Probably, and he and he probably deserves to lose his job for saying something like that. Um, I I don't think he's going to cut an album with Kanye West for all those asking at home. Uh, but uh, and yeah, I do have that up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page if you want to take a look at that. So that's what's going on. Uh, by the way, um, was a World World Cup soccer, um, and uh, it's getting underway just in time for the holidays, and I know that Fox has been putting on this big uh, marketing push with the John Hamm Santa Claus thing going on, and uh, the first game is being played Monday afternoon against Wales, and I'm not sure how in the hell that's going to go, um, because, because I know that it's the holiday week, but this is going to be going on for the next um, month. World Cup goes on for a friggin' month. It's soccer out the butt over there in Qatar, and uh, I don't know if a lot of people are going to be calling in to watch this game or or whatever. I mean, I do know they're soccer enthusiasts, but it's just it doesn't hit the same as it does uh, other parts of the country or the country world. Um, but I, I was kind of curious um, because uh, Qatar is it's kind of a drive, right? Uh, the average ticket. I mean, it really depends, like. Going to this country to watch soccer, it could cost you anywhere at eleven bucks for a ticket. Which, if you don't mind being Qatar, is a, a is a steal. That, but that's probably nosebleed section. Uh, but the uh, the most this goes up to is like sixteen hundred bucks. It's like no, thank you. But eleven bucks to me seems a little pricey considering I think al- alcohol is banned in um in in Qatar. Like there, it's it's a strict. Muslim country, and so I'm just thinking, eleven bucks would be a little too high for me, not to get drunk watching uh, watching soccer. Um, but they have strict rules, and I don't know if you heard about this, but the Middle East does not uh, does not take kindly to gay people. Uh, yeah, I know that's a shocker, right? Um, but uh, the men's soccer team, in an effort to uh, get up on a soapbox and everything uh they they got the rainbow colors for their logo up at the training facility because they're trying to practice uh you know this is who we are we need to be a better world and maybe maybe just maybe somebody in the uh, theocracy of Qatar will look at uh, the logo and go oh yeah we got the salt wrong (laughs) um which I don't think is going to happen, guys. Uh, look, I think a lot of the laws over in Qatar are stringent, but it's also Qatar, and that's why a lot of people don't live in Qatar. Uh, I, yeah, I, I know that you're looking at these rules and they're stupid, but you know, there's two, there's two things to think about here. Either you don't go there and play and protest that, kind of like how some of these guys are protesting uh, the, the the jab up in Canada with the. There's a big uh, to-do with the Kansas City Royals. Um, some of their players stayed at home during the summer when they went to Toronto because they didn't want to adhere to the Canadian vaccine mandate, which was their right. And I was all right with it because, uh, you know, it's it's their, their health. Uh, but, I mean, if you have a problem with the Qatar laws, just you sit it out, right? Or uh, a crazier thing, you, you don't hold the World Cup in Qatar. That's... That's another way of looking at it, um, but they're all over there playing because you got to make that money, damn it! And uh, now they're protesting, but I, I don't think it's going to change anything. And all the people that are cheering it are going to be the ones uh, that uh, talk about it. it it's not going to change any minds. Personally speaking, 
Uh, I know I'm a straight white dude, but I, I think they should just keep the colors red, white, and blue because those are the only three colors you need to uh, to express freedom. Uh, you know, regardless of your sexual orientation or your race or your religion or uh, how much you're willing to pay to drink a beer at a soccer game. But uh, that's going on again. Wales, uh, United States. It's coming up Fox Monday afternoon while you're at work. Uh, damn damn sun being different all over the globe right okay now speaking of football uh tom brady is now 2-0 since the divorce and i know all of his fans are you know cupping his balls in celebration of that so congratulations uh but uh apparently there might be a little more to the story than uh just giselle wanted him to sit at home because apparently she's been on vacation and uh, uh sided with with her yoga instructor yeah, like, and this is just days after the divorce, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of back and forth on this. Tom's like, Tom Brady camp, I don't think he said anything directly. He's just, he's got a camp. She's got a camp, he's got a camp. When you're rich and famous, it's not just you, it's your entourage, and your entourage becomes a camp. It's your team. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy to think about uh, for people like you and me. Uh, so they're finding the timing of this pretty suspect. And of course, everybody's like, well, see, she's not the victim. The media played it up to be like this. And it's like, okay, there's that argument. Okay. But maybe also, maybe also, uh, she just took him on recently as kind of revenge sex against Tom Brady going back to football. There's that aspect of it. Um, or, or. We don't know what the hell's going on with this sort of thing. And you know, let's say uh, even if uh, the Tom Brady camp is right on this sort of thing, that, okay, she's been cheating on him on the side way before this and that, that him getting out of football was to save the marriage. And when that was, uh, when that didn't look feasible, he went back to football and was still on the phone trying to save his marriage. And there's, there's just a lot of stuff on this, in this thing that sounds messy. The more you get into it, the more you're like, I want to vomit. Because I can't keep up with it. Um, but, like, you know, the, Tom Brady back in the day, before we all hated him, you know, he was just that humble uh, six-round pick from Michigan who stepped in for Drew Bledsoe and took the Patriots to a Super Bowl and stunned the world by beating the uh, the greatest show on turf. And back in the day, people cheered it on because, well, that was the first championship of the Patriots. Nobody knew about Tom Brady. Nobody knew about Bill Belichick. You know, it was just like, hey, that one underdog plucky team won. And then they start out winning all the damn time, and we all hated them. And it's just like, enough already, right? Uh, but back in the day, he he didn't do too many commercials, and you didn't hear too much about him. He kind of kept a low profile, but now he's got his brand. He's got TB12. He uh, he kind of ingratiated himself into the media with some documentaries showing his stable, happy home life. You know, him and his... Uh, supermodel wife and his kids and uh, all that other stuff and you know maybe I don't know if this would have made the marriage better or not but like when you kind of do this weird intertwining with the media showing hey look we're the all-american family and all this stuff when you're using the media to kind of push that you kind of become the media and uh, when things fall apart people are going to glom onto it like the more they see of you uh the more they want to see even if it's bad 
And I think, you know, Tom Brady should have pumped the brakes on a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, uh, Peyton Manning does a lot of the dumb commercials. And by the way, the, the was it him and Beckham? Uh, I, I can't, one of those soccer people. Uh, they got a commercial recently for the World Cup that I thought was pretty funny. But, like, yeah, you didn't see the Peyton Manning, like, the, the whole, you didn't see him, his kids, and his wife. If there's any family stuff, it's usually him and Eli being stupid together, right? So Peyton kind of kept that separate, okay? Tom Brady should have done the same, is what I'm saying. You know, it's uh, if you want to do a commercial, Tom, don't don't do a serious commercial. Do a goofy one with you wearing a stupid hat. That that probably would have been better for you in the long run. But uh, yes, but when you have the family in that uh, pub in that arena is what I'm getting at, long-winded, I know. Uh, it, it's hard to keep them out of that arena, and that's what's been going on with the Tom Brady divorce, I think. So, And a lot of people have been trying to fill in uh, everything with uh, with their imaginations. Now, there is one thing that could bring Tom and Giselle back together, and that thing would be a lawsuit. They're both getting sued, as is uh, Shaquille O'Neal, as is Larry David, Seinfeld creator, uh, they're being sued by investors of uh, of FTX, the uh, cryptocurrency, because the investors feel like they've been misled uh, because FTX pretty much done, crashed, and burned. And uh, the guy that started it all, uh, Sam Bankman Fried, Freed, uh, SBF to all of you, uh, to all of his friends and now enemies, uh, he started up this cryptocurrency and was the darling of all these tech magazines and financial magazines because, you know, he made all this money before he was 30 billionaire. Uh, it's lost everything. And he's like on the run right now. And uh, investors want blood because, well, this is kind of like, uh, this is kind of like Enron meets uh, Bernie Madoff meets the Fire Festival. That would make for a pretty good uh, Netflix documentary, by the way. But they're being sued um, by investors because they feel like they're misled. Um, I'm going to say something in Tom Brady's defense and Giselle's defense and uh, Larry David's defense uh, because this is all very stupid. Uh, you might idolize them one way or another. You you might um, you know admire them for one aspect or another. But if you do anything, if you make any decision based on a celebrity telling you to do so or just being associated with it, you are a clear-cut moron and you shouldn't be putting all of your eggs in one basket to begin with. Now, but uh, side note, uh, Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I mean, this would make a great uh, episode for that show. He gets tied into some cryptocurrency. It crashes, it burns, and all the investors hate him. And then you get the, uh, the music that plays at the end and... Yeah, this would make a great one. Uh, but he was he was in the Super Bowl commercial earlier this year uh, in regards to all this crap. And so that's why he's being sued. But you can't be making uh, decisions, uh, financial decisions, based on what celebrities say. You shouldn't be making political decisions based on what uh, celebrities say. But a lot of people do do that kind of crap. Um, uh, I do have a fraternity brother uh, who, who kind of knows a thing or three about finances. His name's Chad. He used to be in the banking game. Now he's uh, he's doing other things. Um, I think he's kind of big into the crypto thing. Kind of big. Um, I, I, I need to bend his ear about that because I, 
because uh, much like Tom Brady and Giselle and Larry David, I know nothing about cryptocurrency um, other than it's very risky. And again, you don't put you don't put all your money into something that's very risky. You just put it in a a percentage that you're comfortable putting in because it is a gamble. So I need to bend his ear about that um, because he he did suggest. Uh, I've seen him say suggested a couple times on Facebook, but I don't. I wouldn't call him a crypto bro. I, he's not. He's not a jet setter type. He's kind of uh, a man of the. He's a man of the land type of guy. Very interesting. Um, but yeah, don't don't be making decisions based on what celebrities say. Celebrities say all sorts of stupid crap. Uh, like Stephen Colbert, um, I guess he had his old mentor John Stewart on the other night, uh, late show with Stephen Colbert. And uh, if if you ever wanted a reason why I don't watch late night television, it's because uh, all late night talk is now the Daily Show, and I've said this before. Uh, and uh, the late show with Dave Letterman used to be fairly entertaining, um, but uh, now it's Colbert, and everything is Trump, 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 Trump. I hate Trump. That's 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 basically the uh, it gets old. That's the basically the Stephen Colbert thing. Uh, well, Stephen had uh, John Stewart on, and he was taking John Stewart, who is Jewish, by the way, taking him to uh, task over his good friend Dave Chappelle and his monologue on Saturday Night Live because it was deemed uh, anti-Semitic. And I didn't get that vibe at all. I mean, there were some Jewish jokes for sure, but I, if you ever watch Dave Chappelle stand up, uh, he's a guy that just he he likes to play with fire, and he likes to. Uh, he likes to you know poke and prod and get people talking and get people thinking. And if you watch it, I mean, you know, he Dave even said that he has friends who are Jewish. And uh, when he was uh, talking about Kyrie Irving, he wasn't necessarily defending the things that Kyrie Irving said, but he was defending his right to say it, if that makes any sense. Because uh, it's one thing to cast to castigate somebody who's anti-Semitic, but it gets to the point where the NBA doing what they're doing, uh, it's more about the NBA looking like they care instead of handling a situation. And it's kind of weird that the NBA is acting the way they are toward Kyrie Irving where they're taking uh, so much Chinese money they don't give a crap about uh, some of the internment camps over in China. But I, I, I digress. But uh, Stephen Colbert is pushing Jon Stewart on this, saying, hey, he's your friend. Have you talked to him? And it's like Jon Stewart's turn to watch uh, Dave Chappelle or something. And John's saying, hey, look, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but he has the right to say it. I don't think that censoring things is the way to go. It doesn't end anti-Semitism. And, uh, you know, I don't agree with uh, John Stewart on much, but I agree with him on that. When you start stifling everybody's opinions about crap, you don't know what's a good idea or a bad idea. And it's just a bad road to go down. And that's what John Stewart is saying. And he's talking about how comedy plays with fire. And Dave Chappelle... There is not a better fire juggler than Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle, by the way, uh, not just, he didn't, his whole monologue on SNL was not just Jew joke after another. That wasn't his thing. He was just kind of poking and prodding uh, perception. Uh, but he told uh, a, a couple of Trump jokes, and I'll admit I laughed at a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I, it got me thinking, um, I'm thinking Stephen Colbert is a little pissed off that uh, Dave Chappelle could tell a better Trump joke than he can, because uh, with uh, Chappelle, I, I get the feeling it's just a dude in his home in Ohio writing things down, thinking things out, where Stephen Colbert has 
a writer's room filled with people who are leftists and uh, they, they all, they're all fellow travelers and they all live in the same bubble and they all tell the same jokes day in, day out. Yeah, I kind of wonder on a writer show like that, does that ever get to be kind of like when you're at work and you ask somebody how they're doing? Oh, living the dream. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if Trump jokes in, in those circles kind of become like the living the dream thing. It's got to be for at least one writer. But Chappelle uh, is is not in New York. He's not in uh, L.A. And, you know, he's he admits he's a Democrat. But he's also living in the Midwest, and it seems like when he has a thought, he writes it down, and he's not—he's not just being Kanye about things, where Kanye gets a random thought and decides just to, you know, crap the bed. Dave's writing something out, and he's being thought-provoking. And he—one of the things he brought up, he goes, "You know, why is it? You know, when it's a group of black people, it's a gang. If it's a group of Italians, it's a mob." If it's a group of Jewish people, it's just a coincidence. You know, he's he's kind of challenging public perception here. Um, and that's what a comedian does. And, uh, you know, I'm not somebody who's anti-Semitic at all. Um, and I find a lot of the crap that Kyrie Irving says being dumb. But I'm also of free will, and I don't go and buy the books that Kyrie Irving or recommends, or, or watch the movies that Kyrie Irving recommends. But I also don't get up on a soapbox and say, I care more, uh, look at me, I care more, I care more, I care more. That's 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 kind of uh, kind of what Dave Chappelle was kind of getting at with his monologue a few nights back. All right, I'm going to wrap this up here. Um, uh, I'll be honest, like with my dad and I, we, we have differing views on things. Um, uh, and, you know, sometimes it's agree to disagree because, you know, you do that with your parents, right? Um, but and, but we bond over certain things, as kids and parents do. Um, but this might be a bridge too far. Uh, this is not me and my dad. This is uh, a woman and her dad. Her dad, uh, this is out in Texas, by God. Uh, her dad, uh, congrats to him, reached, uh, I think, 100 years old. 100 years old. And that's uh, that's no small undertaking, ladies and gentlemen, Okay. Uh, and so to celebrate this uh, momentous occasion, she took him, uh, the girl's in the room, my little daughter's in the room, I have to clean this up, she took him to a gentleman's club where the women were all too gracious to serve him and honor him on his birthday and there are pictures of him and I'm looking at the dude and it's just amazing he didn't lose his uh, false teeth and things. But yeah, um... But my dad's uh, 68. Um, heaven help us. If uh, we're both alive and he's 100, I'm not taking him to a strip club. Uh, be he wouldn't go, first of all, because that's not who he is. But th there's just some aspects about your parents you don't want to know. And believe me, uh, that's that's one of them. <laughs> Maybe just buy him a nice magazine or something for the articles. Okay. There's somebody that wants my attention. I got to get ready for work. Until next time, stay fresh, Tuesday. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.